welcome back, everybody, to the Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast. Uh, it's Josiah here. So good to be with you. And uh, welcoming back after a short hiatus. Hello. Can you guess who? Easton. It's the only other person that's ever on the podcast. Sound recording engineer and general microphone genius. Wow. Except for when I just bumped into it with my headphone. But... Well, that's all right. That's ambiance. I wonder where hiatus comes from. We'll have to look that up sometime. I don't know. But hiatus. Sp- speaking of ambience, uh, you may noticed uh hurricane uh force wind in the background that's fans because it's really hot up here what's the name of that fan too it's got what's it say on there it's got like a palm tree on it hawaiian breeze fun yeah it doesn't smell like hawaiian breeze it smells more like poker night it's just blowing our uh sweat smell in here all right well don't stop the podcast you did come to the right place for um looking closer at scripture uh we just you know have to Easton's back, and we just wanted yeah. you. I was on vacation. We had a couple pre-recorded things we had to put out, but we're back. All right, so we are going to be breaching back into the Old Testament today. You know how we do, or maybe you don't. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for being here. If you go check out our prior episodes, you'll get a feel for what we do. But we're going to look at a verse of the day that will come from you version today. And uh, we're going to be looking at it in context and uh, larger and smaller context. So, in other words, looking at what came before or after or what's going on in the book as a whole to try to shed more meaning and more light on um, this verse of the day so that it kind of thicken it up uh, to help us uh, uh, build our faith and our understanding more. And then what we'll do is we'll look uh, for, can we see Jesus in these verses? Uh, is there any way that this points to Jesus? Because it seems to be one of those things that's easy to say. All of Scripture points to Jesus. But if we look closer, will we find that, that it's actually true? Or do we have to, you know, change it or anything like that? So um, what I love is we're reaching back into the Old Testament uh, today, as we frequently do on this podcast, because we have no fear of the Old Testament. We're not going to cherry pick and stay away from it because it's God's Word and um uh, it has a lot of beautiful stuff, and of course, it points and sets such a firm foundation for the New Testament that we cannot ignore it, Christians. Okay, so we're not going to do that. So going back now to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Isaiah one called one of the major prophets, which might have made him feel good, but might make the ones who are called the minor prophets feel bad. But just know, it's not major and minor because of their importance. It's major and minor just simply because of how long they are. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel are all noticeably longer than the other prophets that come after them, and so they're called the major prophets. Wow. It's a length thing. And uh, we're going to Isaiah chapter 6 and uh, verse 8, and it's during a well-known portion here. So Isaiah was a prophet, which means he was a spokesman for God to the people of Israel. In other words, the Holy Spirit came upon Isaiah and gave him words either through visions or impressions or, you know, there's a whole ocean of literature to figure out how and specifically how and why God communicated with them. But for our purposes here, we'll just leave it that God spoke to these guys and they were spokesmen for him, that he would they would write things down that were to be spoken aloud to Israel to either judge or exhort or encourage or call back or call to repentance or tell God's real perspective on their enemies or foreign nations that were opposing them and all kinds of stuff. And uh, here in Isaiah... Uh, We've talked about before, there was a portion of Isaiah, so like the first half is before Israel goes into um, captivity, or in other words, they are kicked, like taken from their country and put into exile. There's the word I'm looking for. Uh, Because of their sins and their idolatry, God allows them to be carried out of their country. Uh, This 
the front portion of Isaiah happens before that, and then the back, the second half, happens after that. So in the first half here, Isaiah is being commissioned here in chapter 6. It's a really well-known and beautiful part of Scripture. So basically, this is how Isaiah was called to be a prophet. You know. So in Isaiah uh, 6.8, here's our verse, and it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. All right, so that's Isaiah 6, 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. Now, I've, as you know, I've got no criticism for the verse of the day thing. We do it here. Um, but we do try to put a little perspective on it because this is a good verse that I think I would feel total sympathy for someone if they are at all new to the faith or even just new to the Old Testament. And they hear this verse, and I would, I would have total sympathy if they're like, I really do not understand what this is about. I feel like this is a good ver- uh, verse of the day example where there's just not enough information. If you know a lot about it already, and you've heard a hundred sermons on this, and you get it, and you kind of understand Isaiah's place, and you understand how the New Testament pulls on you know prophecies from Isaiah and Jesus being the fulfillment of it all, and if you get that, Then when you hear, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Then you probably get a general good feeling and encouragement of like, yes, God is looking to send someone and this is the right attitude of a Christian. Here I am, send me. So I agree with that. But man, that is a big jump for people who are new to the Bible. That is a big jump that I think is too much to do. And then another problem is it really, this is such a beautiful thing portion here that I that I think you will see after we do this uh, after we look at the you know the smaller context I think once you see like the true importance of it it's really going to help you in your Christian life in a way that's a lot deeper than just a general I need to be ready to serve God if he calls for me I mean that's good but I think it gets so much better okay so what we're going to do uh, you know we have limited time in these podcasts but what we're going to do is we're going to look at the context like in other words what came before and what after but what we're going to have to do today is we're going to have to really limit ourselves to what came before. You know, we can kind of gesture at what came after um, verse 8. But I think what comes before is extremely important. So go up, if you're following along at home, go up to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. And what you'll have here is, you know, one of the more poetic, you know, deep, kind of cool pictures of God here. And in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says this. And this is all building up to 8, where our verse of the day comes from. So Isaiah writes, in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, and if you go back, you know, you can look in your First and Second Kings, First uh, and Second Chronicles, and look for King Uzziah, and you can kind of understand, you know, what that might mean. But for now, we just have to go, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. So this is going to be a vision that Isaiah had, and he's describing it to us. It says 740 B.C. 740. So go back and look it up. Yeah, you'll find it. Uzziah, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And you want to think about the only time I see anything like this these days is when people get married. If they're still doing a kind of a traditional white wedding dress, it'll have this, you guys have noticed the huge sheet that is following behind the... uh, the bride and the sometimes the bridemaids have to go get it and like put it up behind her and stuff okay that is reaching way back to a tradition where this the train of someone's robe 
when you know materials were so expensive and all this kind of stuff then for someone to have a robe or a dress that has a train like that was like a huge sign of their majesty and their glory and so in this case King, uh, Isaiah sees the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the entire temple okay so some heavy symbolism there to catch because otherwise you'd be like why does God's clothes fill the temple I don't understand that why doesn't he get a better tailor well that's not the point you see he's a large man he's, he's a large man number two above him stood the seraphim a kind of angel or glorious being each had six wings with two he covered his face with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds of the temple shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke, smoke being a, a frequent symbol, uh, again, of the glory. You guys have heard maybe some jokes about the glory cloud. Well, if you look throughout the Old Testament, you'll see that smoke is over and over again used as a um, picture of the glory of God. The house was filled with smoke, and I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. This is Isaiah now speaking. It's important to catch him here. Woe is me, for I am lost. So he sees this awesome vision of God, and his response is to go, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So important to the context for verse 8. This isn't just a by the way. Isaiah, the way he gets called into being a prophet, the way he actually gets called to serve God is by being massively humbled into the ground by seeing this true picture like a a vision or just a picture of who God is, his massive glory, his holiness, the train of his robe filling the temple, the smoke of his glory, these seraphim that wait on him and can't even look at him so they cover their face with with their wings and so on like that. When he gets, when he encounters the glory of God, his reaction is he sinks to the ground and knows that he's a crooked man, that he's not good for it, that he's not ready to serve this awesome God. And he focuses on his lips, his unclean lips, and he focuses on the um, unclean speech, the unclean lips of the people he lives with. Um, this is because he knows he's being called to be a spokesman for God, a prophet like we talked about in the first so if he's going to be a spokesman for God, he focuses on that part of him that's not good enough to serve God, his unclean lips, okay? So why I think this is awesome, well, here, I'll keep going, then we'll, we'll reflect a little bit. Then one of the seraphim, verse 6, flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt has been taken away, and your sin atoned for. Okay, so what you have here without even having to try, you know, this is not like when your uncle used to stretch uh, every story into a Bible story. Okay, and you're kind of like, I don't know. I think they were just out of the toy I wanted. I don't think Jesus did that. No, this isn't that. This is the Bible going out of its way. Isaiah going out of his way to say God calls Isaiah by a showing him his glory, like who he really is. And that, of course, is the claim we make as Christians 
to know Jesus Christ, to see him crucified for your sins, you know, conquering death three days later, ascending to the right hand of God and welcoming you through this gospel to say, hey, come and serve me. You know, when you see my glory, you're going to be convicted of your sin, convicted, like convinced. You're going to have your eyes open like he's glorious and I'm not. How can I serve this God? How can I measure up? What could I do for God? And that's the same thing that happens to Isaiah. He feels the same way. And then God provided a way for our sin to be atoned for. And that's the picture we see here with Isaiah. Isaiah says, man, I am not a good person and I live among no good people. And God says, I've got that. He sends the angel down with this coal to touch his lips. And he says, your guilt has been taken away and your sin atoned for. So it's so important to get that part first because look at the massively cool um, salvation by grace alone, by faith alone, you get there, that foundation is laid so that when you look at verse 8 and he says, and then, so, and then and only then, I heard the voice of the Lord, this same one that was high and lifted up, train the rope fills the temple, smoke, you know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the thresholds are shaking, Isaiah is unclean, the coal touches his lips and takes his guilt away, then verse 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? So now we know it's not just a chirpy, uh, short-term mission trip-ready Isaiah who goes, I'll go. Mm. It's a humbled, forgiven, you know what I'm saying? It's just so much to me. It's such so much more uh, power there. It's not a servcation. It's not a servcation moment. Instead, it's this guy who's been totally humbled totally convicted of his sin and the sin of the people he lives among and then had that taken care of by God. And then God says, not only has he forgiven Isaiah, but then he says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And in light of his forgiveness and the fact that God is calling, Isaiah says, here I am, exclamation part in the uh, exclamation point in the ESV, here I am, send me. So he doesn't presume to do anything for God. He's not, you know, this isn't a shallow like, oh, I'll try it for God. This is a really, really powerful moment, and it's how Isaiah is called to be a prophet. So uh, verse 8, Isaiah 6, 8, from now on should be a powerful verse of the day for you, but I think without that background, you'd be excused for not thinking it was all that great. Now, what comes after um, verse 9? I said we can only kind of gesture at because um, what comes after from verse 9 on till the end of the chapter is Isaiah's God gives him his kind of the core of his message he's going to sh- share with Israel. And there's just too much there for us to take on, you know, as far as uh, context and all that. So I think the most important part is to get Isaiah 6, 1 through 7 as this conviction of sin, conviction of the glory of God, forgiveness is given to you. Now go and serve the Lord. I think that's so powerful, especially to see it from Isaiah. And I think that sets up 8, the payoff in 8, so well. All right, and then um, the question we're always going to ask is, where do we see, um, or could we see Jesus in these verses? And I think you're, if you're tracking with me, you're starting to see how we could or where we could. So in verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Now, if you will go forward to any of the Gospels, you can pick anyone you want, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, Whenever you start to read about Jesus' life and ministry, you'll see that he was constantly showing. Now, John, I think, is the best example of this, but you'll see it in all of them, where he constantly gestures back and he says, I, I am doing what, I, what my Father has sent me to do. 
So basically, Isaiah is a picture of Jesus. So Jesus was called to be the perfect, you know, prophet to Israel, the perfect representative of God, um, the per the one who was sent by God. And you'll see, going back to verse seven. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. The Bible makes the constant point that Jesus was the servant of God who did not have to have his sins atoned for. His lips were not unclean. He only ever spoke what was right and good in God's will. So um, what we see in verse 8 is it's a foreshadowing of who Jesus was. You know, Isaiah is, as a prophet and a spokesman for God to Israel. Jesus was that prophet and spokesman, except he was one that did not need to be forgiven. He was actually the one who came to forgive us, to touch each one of our lips with the coal of his crucifixion that he underwent on our behalf, and to say to each one of us, look, your guilt has been taken away. Now will you go for me? So Jesus comes and not only um, fulfills his mission for God, so to speak, but while he was here, he was very clear, especially with his 12 disciples, but then even further on, asking people, now follow me. Now that I've taken your sin away, I'm asking, who will I send? Who will go for us? And he's looking for people who will say, send me. So it's actually, not only do we see Jesus in these verses, but we kind of see the entire, you know, the start or the mission statement of the church. So pretty good stuff. Isaiah 6, 8, <laughs> our verse of the day for um, wow. Crosspoint Scripture Podcast. You know, I probably, realizing uh, during this podcast, I probably in the future could just pre-record the, uh, mm, and the, mm. you know, the, the small interjections uh-huh. for next time I'm gone. You guys wouldn't even know. Uh-huh. I get that. Leave a like if you want me to do pre-recorded ums. Yeah. Well, it's so good to be back with you guys, man. It's good to have Easton here again, and so we'll be putting out our episodes, as always, as often as we can, okay? So if you love the podcast, recommend it to your friends, um, subscribe, and if you have any questions or want to leave encouragement or anything like that, you can always email us and uh, or leave comments on um, which platform can they comment on? Um, you know, whatever platform you listen on, if there's a comment box, leave just leave it there. Sweet. All right. Good to have you guys. See you next time. Peace.